Hello, my friend. This is Clyde. We have work to do. In a few weeks from now, the President of the United States will present the State of the Union. This is a grand event bringing together the three branches of government in one place, along with specially invited guests of the President to hear him present a description of the country, its successes and challenges, and to lay out the major plans for the future. This event usually triggers two main responses. On the one hand, the members of the ruling party celebrate the achievements under the leadership of the president with lots of applause, standing ovations, the works. On the other hand, the other side very often sits through this ordeal, hardly agree with anything that is said, and right after, one of their representatives will counter the president's words with a speech of how they see the nation. Politics, for sure, but it's an exercise that brings into sharp focus the state of the nation of the United States. I'm inviting us to something close to that, a conversation about the state of the world and the response of the church. First of all, here is the most comprehensive analysis of the state of the world in which we live in 2024. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. The enterprise of the devil has not been to deny the existence of evil. Rather, he does something more cunning and crafty. The devil is not denying that there is evil. Rather, what he does, and with great success, is just what the scripture says blind the minds of unbelievers. By blinding the eyes, he does not remove evil, but simply causes the unbeliever to not see the gospel of Jesus Christ. He makes it his business for the unbeliever to not see that Jesus saves, that the gospel changes lives, that Jesus is the answer for the world today. Satan has employed strategies and programs that let people not know that they need Jesus. With that approach, he makes it easier for people to reject Jesus because they cannot accept what they cannot see. Instead, they embrace the alternative. They embrace what the gospel preaches against. They see the lie rather than the light. Got that? My Christian brothers and sisters, this is not something to dismiss as being normal. This is why we are having this conversation. Look around us today and speak truth. It is increasingly more difficult to invite unbelievers to Jesus. And why should they, when they have more exciting things to do, when they, cannot en when they can engage in pleasures and activities that gratify the desires of their hearts? Why should they go to church when we have preachers who are presenting opinions and giving motivation talks that leave people feeling good rather than challenging them to repentance? Why should the unbeliever come to church when outside of church time they see many of us as Christians hmm, dabbling in sin just like them when they see us living contrasting lives from what Jesus expects of us? Let me be careful not to appear to stand in judgment of my brothers and sisters, but we have work to do. Each of us has an agenda before us that Jesus set before he returned to heaven, and that agenda has not changed. In fact, the details of the agenda are most relevant and needed 2,000 years after Jesus spoke. Jesus did not give a suggestion to his disciples. Rather, he commissioned them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
The more I think about what Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 says, is the more I realize that it is critically needed now more than ever. It cannot wait and it cannot be ignored. As Christians, you and I and our fellow brothers and sisters must go into all the world and preach the gospel. And might I add what Paul told Timothy? The Holy Spirit had Paul put Jesus' words into perspective to show the urgency and importance of these words. Paul said to Timothy, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to say, to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. 2 Timothy 4 verses 2 to 5. I hope you're still with me because I sense that God is hitting on some bullseye right now. Where is the world that Jesus commissioned the disciples to take the gospel to? Let us not go very far. Think about our homes, our families. How many of us have unsaved relatives as close as spouses, children, grandchildren, parents, siblings, folks we share family dinners and family reunion times with? Yes, they might know that you are a Christian, but do they hear the gospel from your mouth? Do they hear you inviting them to Jesus, the light of the world? That is your world with blind people and you have the gospel that will open their eyes. Let me add something critical to what we ought to be doing. Do not attempt to do what Jesus told us to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. No, I'm not preaching a message that you don't know. But it is vital that I say it again. Jesus himself was very clear in his last words to the disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1 verse 8. I shall stop here for now. But I encourage us to not be discouraged. Rather, let us double up our efforts to help the blinded folks around us to see the light of the gospel. That is our assignment. That is the work that we have to do, and it is urgent.